Hello, my friends. I'd like to invite you to be, get the video version of today's podcast. Just go to Rebel News Online. Sorry, that's not what it is. Let me do that again. Hello, my friends. I'd like to, to invite you to get the video version of this podcast. Uh, just go to rebelnewsplus.com. That's what we call it. You get the video version of my daily show, Sheila Gunn-Reed, David Menzies, Andrew Chaplow's their weekly show. But, you know, do it because that's how we live. We live off the voluntary support of our viewers and listeners. We don't get a dime from government, and I think it really shows. I think it's why we're independent. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. Eight bucks a month. Thanks. Here's today's show. Tonight, after pressuring millions of people to take the Moderna vaccine, Ontario's government is now warning people not to take the Moderna vaccine. It's September 30th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I saw this story in the newspaper USA Today. Actually, I saw it on their Twitter account. While it's true you can naturally acquire immunity against an offending invader like a bacteria or virus, experts say neutral, natural immunity provides less protection against the new variants than the vaccine. So that's the mainstream media. It's one of the largest newspapers in America, and they cite experts. Except I don't trust the mainstream media much at all. In fact, I assume that anything of consequence, they say, anything important is either misleading or downright untrue or simply an unmarked ad for some part of the establishment. But seriously, is there any group in society who has done more to torch their reputation for honesty and independence and nonpartisanship than public health experts? That USA Today report was from mid-August. And then two weeks later, this massive study out of Israel said the exact opposite, that naturally acquired immunity, that is getting sick and then naturally recovering, thanks to your body's immune system, that's actually much better than vaccine immunity. Don't take my word for it, take the word for the massive study uh, published by the British Medical Journal. So were those USA Today public health experts lying? Did they know they were misleading people? I doubt it. They probably believed every word they said. There's a difference between a lie, and sorry to use a gentle swear here, between a lie and, and, and bullshit. I really recommend this tiny book to you. It's called On Bullshit. I'm sorry, I'm going to say that word about four more times. Um, the book is by a professor named uh, Harry Frankfurt. I've probably ordered 20 copies of that book over time to give out to people, especially bullshitters I meet. I thought for sure I had an extra copy of it lying around my office. I was going to hold it up, but I don't. I guess I'd give it away. You, you can just see it online here. It's such a mini book. It's so small. You can read it in, in like half an hour. It's not even a book, really. It's a, it's a big pamphlet. But let me just read a few lines from the book's promo, and you get a flavor for it. Frankfurt proceeds by exploring how bullshit, uh, bullshit and the related concept of humbug are distinct from lying. He argues that bullshitters misrepresent themselves to their audience not as liars do, 
that is by deliberately making false claims about what is true. In fact, bullshit need not be untrue at all. Rather, bullshitters seek to convey a certain impression of themselves without being concerned about whether anything at all is true. They quietly change the rules governing their end of the conversation so that claims about truth and falsity are irrelevant. Frankfurt concludes that although bullshit can take many innocent forms, excessive indulgence in it can eventually undermine the practitioner's capacity to tell the truth in a way that lying does not. Liars at least acknowledge that it matters what is true. By virtue of this, Frankfurt writes, bullshit is a greater enemy of the truth than lies are. Isn't that interesting? It's a great little book. I really, really recommend it. You can get it on Amazon. It's just a few bucks. Do you see the difference between bullshit and lying? I really don't think the USA Today or the experts who they quoted were lying or thought they were lying. I don't think they were. I, th I think they just knew what they were supposed to say to be on the good guys team, to mock the bad guys team to mock the vaccine skeptics. The fact that two weeks later, a massive study proved them wrong, well, they don't take that personally. They'll just come up with some new spin tomorrow. That's the bullshitter's way. But as Professor Frankfurt says, you engage in bullshit too much and you change the meaning of words and you change your reputation and your relationship with people and with the world, you just become a bullshitter. I think that's what's happened to the public health industry. I mean, until two years ago, I probably would have regarded the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration in the States, as a pretty saintly place in terms of medical accuracy and independence. Not that I had given them much thought in my entire life, but how can I feel that way about them now? The other day, one of their expert panels voted overwhelmingly against approving booster shots for one of the vaccines. The vote was 16 to 2 against the boosters, but the Biden White House demanded it nonetheless. They have no interest in medical experts saying pause. They want these boosters. They're pressing forward. Trudeau's already bought 400 million of them. I mean, the only difference this time is that the dissent with the drug within the drug approval industry was public. Normally that's just censored or ignored. So it's incredible that we even heard that 16 people were against it. How much bullshit is there? How can you sort the facts from the spin? It's hard, especially when even mentioning alternative ideas, alternative theories can get you silenced. Just this week, YouTube brought in new rules, specifically banning people from questioning vaccines. Let me read the rules to you, just give me a minute. Don't post content on YouTube if it includes harmful misinformation about currently approved and administered vaccines on any of the following. Vaccine safety, content alleging the vaccine cause chronic side effects outside of rare side effects that are recognized by health authorities. Efficacy of vaccines, content claiming that vaccines do not reduce transmission or contraction of disease. Ingredients in vaccines, content misrepresenting the substances containing vaccines. And they have examples. Now, I'm going to read these examples. This is the rules that apply to us. This is why we can't do most of our work on YouTube anymore. Here are some examples of content that's not allowed on YouTube. Claims that vaccines cause chronic side effects, such as cancer, diabetes, other chronic side effects. Claims that vaccines do not reduce the risk of contracting illness. Claims that vaccines contain substances that are not on the vaccine ingredient list, such as biological matter from fetuses, fetal tissue, fetal cell lines, or animal byproducts. Claims that vaccines contain substances or devices meant to track or identify those who have received them. Claims that vaccines alter a person's genetic makeup. Claims that the MMR measles, mumps, rubella vaccine causes autism. Claims that vaccines are part of a depopulation agenda. Claims that the flu vaccine causes chronic side effects such as infertility. Claims that the HPV 
vaccine causes chronic side effects such as paralysis. Okay. Now, I don't know about many of those things. I don't think vaccines have tracking devices in them. I just don't think so. But I know that vaccine passports have tracking devices. That's their whole point. Who are you? What's your status? Show the authorities. I don't know if vaccines have anything to do with depopulation. I don't know. But I noticed that a lot of the same people pushing vaccines also push depopulation from the United Nations itself to Bill Gates. Gates is probably the world's leading abortion funder, focused on the third world overwhelmingly. I'm not really interested in those things now, to be honest, that's not my focus. My focus is whether or not these new COVID vaccines, which were rushed to market, and several of them have new mRNA technology in them. I mean, Moderna has never brought a drug to market before, and we're all being pressured into taking them right now. I'm interested in talking about that, and I'm interested in asking questions about it, even if my questions aren't perfect, or even if they're dumb questions, or even if I challenge an institution, or God forbid, challenge Big Pharma. I wanna be able to ask any question, smart or dumb without being silenced. And frankly, if I were a believer in, in any of these other claims, autism, cancer, whatever, if I genuinely believe those things, as some people do, I don't think I would be persuaded I was wrong by simply being told I wasn't allowed to talk about my concerns. In fact, I would see it as the opposite. I would see it as proof that I was onto something and that the system can't handle a robust debate. So that's my point. Things have become so politicized, the experts have conducted themselves so abusively. The politicians have been so authoritarian. The police have been so brutal. The vaccine passports are so invasive that they really don't have a reservoir of goodwill anymore. All they have are threats. That's why people are taking the vaccine now. Everyone has had almost a year to think about getting vaxxed. And if you wanted it, you have got it by now. Anyone who hasn't got the vaccine yet probably has a reason. And so if they give up that reason now, I suppose maybe you've convinced them with some new argument they haven't heard before. Uh, not that they haven't been bombarded with those arguments for a year, but I put it to you, it's quite likely because they've had a gun put to their head. Uh, they'll be fired if they don't take it. They'll be demonized. That's not democracy and that certainly isn't medicine. But look at how proud YouTube is of their role. Since last year, we've removed over 130,000 videos for violating our COVID-19 vaccine policies. You guys are so proud, you book burners. My only question is, is that their own authoritarian decision? Or did they get a huge payment from Pfizer or Moderna to make that decision? And would we ever know? Can I ask that question? Well, look at this in the Toronto Sun. Ontario now recommending against Moderna vaccine for men 18 to 24 years old. The Ontario government is now recommending males aged 18 to 24 take Pfizer over Moderna as their COVID-19 vaccination due to the number of young men who have experienced myocarditis after getting the vaccine. That's your heart's inflamed. <laughs> so that's a very gentle way of saying stop taking Moderna. I'll read some more. This comes after public health officials determined there is a one in 5,000 risk of myocarditis a form of heart inflammation, following a second dose of the Moderna vaccine. One in 5,000, eh? Do you know the risk of death is from the virus itself for people in the 18 to 24 age group? Here's the Ontario public health stats. Look at table three. In the entire pandemic, I'm talking about going back 18 months, a grand total of six people have died under the age of 20. And there's about 3 million people under that age group, well, just a little more. So, so there's, what, a one in half a million risk 
for people under 20, one and a half a million, compared to one in 5,000 who get heart inflammation. So you're a hundred times more likely to get a heart inflammation than to die from the vaccine itself. That's my math, tell me if I'm wrong. Imagine taking the Moderna vaccine because you want to be safe. No, I don't think so. At this point, people are taking it so they don't get fired. How many people have had heart inflammation because of that? How many people have died because of that pressure? Here's another way to look at it. Six deaths under age 20 from the virus, according to public health. 389 cases of myocarditis this year so far. So Ontario is saying stop taking it if your age is 18 to 24. Okay, got it. Would you really take it if you're 25 or if you're 17? Because look at this, here's Trudeau's advisory, Theresa Tam's advisory, from just last month, approving it for kids as young as 12. If you've got a 12-year-old kid who is at almost a zero risk from the virus itself, would you take it? They just banned it for ages 18 to 24. Are you going to give that to your child? Here's John Tory, the Toronto mayor, just three months ago saying you should take it and hey guys, it's all safe and effective. And hey guys, in fact, you can even mix and match something that has never actually been tested by the drug companies. The drug companies have not tested their meds mixed and matched. No one has done that. Here's what Tory said, Dr. Davila's advice is clear. Both Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccines are interchangeable equally effective and safe for everyone over 18 years? Well, we now know that's completely false, but again, he was just bullshitting. I don't even know if he was lying or knew he was lying. I think he was just bullshitting. Can there's 399 people in Ontario sue the government? I know they can't sue the drug companies. They've been indemnified. Lucky, eh? They get none of the risk, but they get all the money, right? Is that how capitalism work? I thought you took the risk and got the reward. I don't think you got all the reward without the risk. That, that doesn't seem right. That's kind of crony capitalism or, or kind of fascism in a way. The good news is the media knows their job is to mock people who are afraid of these things, mock people who ask questions. Here's a National Post story, shame on them, about a woman who was f against forced vaccines. She ran for the People's Party and look at that, she got the virus. Now she will be fine. She's young and healthy. This is not a news story. Um, millions of Canadians have got the virus and have recovered. Um, it's not news other than she's a skeptic and she said so publicly, so this is some healthy bullying by the National Post. Um, and, and that's what the left is into now and the National Post works for Trudeau now, the biggest recipient of the bailout. So they're shaming this woman, they're bullying this woman because she dared to speak out against vaccines. I think she actually proves her point. She will be fine, she'll recover. I think she's recovered already and will have strong natural immunity, but they have to mock her. They want to mock her as unclean, as morally unclean. She deserved this, don't you know? Let's laugh at her. That's what we do to the sick, we laugh at them. As if we don't know that vaccine, vaccinated people can get sick too. No matter what YouTube says, sorry, YouTube is not a doctor. So YouTube will ban questions about vaccines, uh, dumb questions and smart questions, but they won't ban this. Again, whether it's a paid ad, a product placement or whatever, this is what's being pumped out now by the corporate media. This is a comedy show. Yeah, that's, that's late night comedy, I think. Is that a Pfizer infomercial? I don't know. So are we allowed to talk about any of this or, or only after, like with Moderna? Take the shot, ask no questions, and after we'll talk about if you get sick. How many young men got jabbed under duress with Moderna 
only to be told, <laughs> don't do it. Hey, guys, you, you haven't done it yet, have you? Just like what happened with AstraZeneca. And what next? Oh, by the way, here's the FDA's official approval for Pfizer to continue. Skim through it if you like. It's, I think, 11 pages. You can find it online pretty quickly. Um, they're really worried about heart problems for kids. <laughs> Just that, you know. Uh, and so they have required, if you see, Pfizer to continue a variety of studies on heart problems in kids as a result of their vaccine. Imagine being a parent letting your kid participate in this experiment. Well, <laughs> you have if you've let your kid be injected with that. The FDA wants these studies to continue, can you see it there, until 2027. We're in 2021 now. They want six more years of studies. But you have to take the vaccine now. Maybe it's fine, I don't know. I'm not sure for young people at least who are the very low risk of the virus, a what, one and a half a million chance, but a sizable risk for heart inflammation, one in 5,000 chance. This is not about health, this is about power and control and bullying and peer pressure and big, big business. Stay with us for more. thought that one of those thoughtful commentators on the question of vaccines, forced vaccines, and natural immunity would be an NBA player, a professional basketball player. His name is Jonathan Isaac, and he's a power forward with the Orlando Magic. Remember this? Jonathan, Josh Robbins with The Athletic. Uh, what is it about the vaccine that, that makes you uh, hesitant to, to, to get it? Uh, I, I would start with, um, I've had COVID. Um, in the past. And so our, our understanding of antibodies, of natural immunity has uh, uh, changed a, a great deal from the onset of the pandemic and is still evolving. Um, I understand that the vaccine would uh, um, help if, if, if you catch COVID and uh, you'll be able to have less symptoms um, from contracting it. But with me having COVID in the past and having antibodies um, with my current um, age group and uh, uh, fitness, physical fitness level, um, it's not necessarily a fear of mine. Uh, taking the vaccine, um, like I said, it would decrease my chances of uh, uh, having a severe reaction, but it does open me up to the, albeit rare chance, but the possibility of having an adverse reaction to the vaccine itself. Um, I don't believe that being unvaccinated means infected or being vaccinated means um, uninfected. You can still catch COVID um, with or without having the vaccine. Um, I would say, honestly, the, the, the craziness of it all in terms of not being able to say that it should be everybody's fair choice without being demeaned or um, talked crazy to doesn't uh, make one comfortable to do what said person is uh, telling them to do. Um, yeah, I, I would say that's, that's a couple of the reasons that, um, you know, I would say I, I'm hesitant at this time, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't feel that it is, um, you know, anyone's reason to come out and say, well, this is why or this is not why. It should just be their decision. And um, 
you know, loving your neighbors, not just loving those that, that agree with you or look like you or uh, move in the same way that you do. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, loving those who don't. He was referring to natural immunity. The fact that he, a very healthy, athletic young man, got COVID, obviously got over it. And according to many studies, natural immunity is as powerful or more powerful than the immunity from vaccination. That includes the study uh, in the British Medical Journal of uh, thousands of cases in Israel. Oddly enough, the phrase natural immunity has been blocked by Twitter. They will not allow that phrase to trend. Why not? It's a thing. Are we suddenly denying that our bodies have an immune system? And of course, YouTube followed that up with a larger ban on vaccine skepticism in general. All this on the same day or week that Ontario acknowledges it should never have prescribed or pressured young men aged 18 to 24 to take the Moderna vaccine. In fact, they stopped making it available for that age group, even though the city of Toronto plans to give vaccines to children as young as five. Well, joining us now to talk about this is someone who is suing to stop forced vaccines on behalf of people who have natural immunity. You won't be surprised. I'm talking to our friend Janine Yunus from the National, sorry, the New Civil Liberties Alliance. And she joins us now from Washington, D.C. Janine, great to see you again. Great to see you too, Ezra. Thank you for having me back. Well, it's a pleasure. I, I tell you that, that statement, off the cuff, unscripted, by a basketball player in a press conference was more thoughtful than most of the commentaries I've seen not only from the media that covers the pandemic, but even from public health officials. I thought it was nuanced, balanced, thoughtful, was not strident or ideological. It was just a young man who, it seems to me, has been carefully thinking about this for a long time. That was the clearest I've ever heard it expressed. Yeah, I agree. I actually, I thought he sounded far more articulate and intelligent than uh, Anthony Fauci or Rochelle Walensky or Joe Biden, certainly <laughs> many of the people who've been speaking on this topic. Um, I wish he could be running our uh, policy in this regard. Yeah, you know, it was um, interesting to see him and a few fellow NBA players who are trying to dissent. I see news that the manager of a Canadian sports team, the Elks, managed to get a medical exemption. Um, and that became a storm of news coverage. I don't think it's anyone's business if you're vaccinated or not, but we live in a time where that is. I think that the, the press coverage, these professional athletes, or in the case of the Edmonton Elks, the, the manager, I think it's designed to shame others and silence them. I don't think it's, wow, look at this thought leader. I think it's, oh, we have a dissident. We must crush dissent lest this unconventional narrative take root. That's how it looks to me. Yeah, that's how it looks to me, too. Um, you know, and a, a lot of the universities who are implementing these policies uh, don't recognize natural immunity. And they just say the most bizarre things that, in their opinion, natural immunity doesn't exist. That was a statement made to me by an attorney for GMU uh, in a lawsuit against, I brought against the university on behalf of a law professor, Todd Zwicky. Well, that's actually why I wanted to talk to you today. I, I, I showed those other things because I think they're interesting. A lot of these people who are uh, rejecting the vaccine have got the virus 
in many cases, if they're young and healthy, it didn't floor them, it didn't hospitalize them. It was inconvenient and it was, you know, perhaps worrisome, but especially the young, healthy athletes. So it brings back the issue of natural immunity. I find it bizarre that that the censors are tackling that phrase. Can you give us an update on the lawsuit you mentioned? You said GMU. Just a reminder for our Canadian viewers, that's George Mason University in the greater D.C. area. I think that's in Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. How's that lawsuit going? Because you have a case of a tenured professor, a law professor, no less, got the, the virus, overcame it, has natural immunity, but they're, they're threatening to punish him if he doesn't take this medical uh, uh, injection against his wishes or frankly against, I suppose, his own medical advice. Well, that uh, lawsuit is actually sort of over. It ended up resolving out of court. Um, Professor Zwicky was granted a medical exemption by GMU. So, oh, so, um, so yeah. let me stop you right there. This is, I didn't know this news. So uh, did GMU change their policy to accept natural immunity? No. No, they, and they explicitly said this wasn't for natural immunity. He had another medical issue that was the, uh, was they said was the basis. We think they just wanted the lawsuit to go away, but um, but yeah. So that ended about a month ago. But I have a new lawsuit against Michigan State University um, on behalf of Gina Norris, who's an employee, and uh, like Professor Zwicky, has natural immunity. Um, we have an immunologist who can attest to that that she has robust antibody levels. This is not speculative natural immunity. Uh, Michigan State University is forcing all its employees to get vaccinated, uh, threatening them with discipline up to and including termination of employment if they do not comply. So um, we're arguing that her constitutional rights are being violated. The government has no compelling interest in forcing her to get this vaccine because she has natural immunity. And uh, we, we have our experts, they have an expert. Um, we had a hearing last week in Michigan. And one uh, thing that I really noticed that I think is of interest and importance is that essentially what their experts' position boils down to is that because there are no randomized controlled studies of natural immunity, we have to pretend it doesn't exist. We're supposed to ignore all the observational real-world data that we have um, because there's been no such study. And uh, you know, I've spoken to some of our experts about that, Martin Kuldorf and Jay Bhattacharya. You really can't conduct a randomized controlled study of natural immunity because that would involve purposely infecting people, which would be considered unethical. So, you know, what we have is a lot of uh, voluminous real-world observational data, including a study from Israel of 700,000 people establishing that natural immunity is as good or better than the vaccines. In fact, the study from Israel showed that it was 27 times more protective, I think, against um, infections than the vaccines. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's, that's incredible that uh, our, our own bodies, the whole concept of immunity, which every kid learns about in biology. I mean, we all know what your immune system is. We, we all understand what immune diseases do. I mean, this is not news. It's decades, centuries old in some case. The fact that that is being ignored, but a newfangled, uh, still experimental drug that is still undergoing tests is considered the default but our natural immunity is what's where the skepticism and the banning is being focused. It's an upside down world. How is it going in at MSU at Michigan State University? I can imagine it's a very large university and hundreds, maybe thousands of people might be affected. My own observation is that most people cannot afford to be fired. They can't afford the stress. They can't afford the economic loss. I think a lot of people are one paycheck away from not making rent or groceries. I, I would imagine a large institution like that 
that the majority of people would just have to violate their own conscious and bodily integrity because the alternative to them to possibly be destitute and have their career ruined is just too terrible. Is, is that your observation? The people, when a gun is... Well, I'm actually... Go ahead. Well, I'm surprised we've had a lot of people emailing us saying that they want to join the lawsuit. So we're, um, you know, we're awaiting the judge's decision on the preliminary injunction, which was the hearing that we had last week. Um, I've been sort of surprised that many people seem to have the uh, stomach to take this on and they care enough about it. And I, I'm very pleased with that. I think it's very courageous, obviously, for people to, um, you know, uh, risk their livelihoods in order to take a stand. And a lot of them have actually said, including Gina Norris, who is uh, the, the lead plaintiff at the moment that she's doing this in part for other people. She wants to vindicate the scientific process and she's watching this and she thinks it looks crazy and she doesn't want to let the government get away with this. Um, and another thing I'd like to point out is uh, that goes to one of your earlier points. I don't know about in Canada, but uh, like Michigan State University and GMU, they're accepting, for instance, the, the uh, Sinovac vaccine from China that's estimated to be about 50% effective at best. The Sputnik vaccine from Russia, same thing. You know, so to deny natural immunity and accept these vaccines is just absurd. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, let me ask you on the business side here in Canada, some brave businesses are refusing to enforce the vaccine passports. For example, in the city of Winnipeg, Monstrosity Burger, as it's called, simply will not ask their customers, customers if they're vaxxed or not. They had their liquor license removed and they're not allowed to serve customers in their restaurant. They're facing $60,000 in fines. We're um, helping them fight the fines as part of our little civil liberties project. Do you have any cases in the United States where institutions or businesses are saying, you know what, we're simply not going to go along with this. We are not going to be agents of the state, secret policemen, health inspectors, doctors. We're not going to do this to our own customers. Has that come up in America too? Yeah, um, so I've uh, seen it in New York because New York has a similar vaccine passport program. And actually, my friend Eli Klein, uh, who's on Twitter, he's an art dealer. Um, he's very well versed in natural immunity, actually, so he gets made fun of by the experts, but he seems to know more than them. Um, so he's been very vocal. He won't uh, enforce the passport in terms of letting people into his gallery. And so I know, you know, I'm not going to say um, he's public about it. I'm not going to say some other businesses uh, that aren't enforcing it in New York, but there are. Um, there are a number who are refusing to. Okay, and are they being targeted by the state? Are they being... Not that I, not that I know of yet. Um, you know, I, I haven't heard of anybody getting in trouble yet in New York. Although, they, so they, in New York, they only started enforcing this in mid-September, so it's kind of new. So uh, I think it remains to be seen what will happen. Has anyone gone to jail in the United States over forced vaccines? Has anyone... Um, being jailed in contempt of court or um, f for resisting in some way? Uh, I don't think in the way that you're thinking, but I know of cases, uh, people who are being told that they can get probation, you know, which is an alternative to prison if they get the vaccine or people who are being told they can, their parole uh, will be approved if they get the vaccine. And I think those cases are being challenged actually. Yeah. Well, I, I find this very troubling. In Canada, uh, business owners and, a, and a various churches, if they wouldn't bend the knee to, to other lockdown orders, they would be jailed 
for contempt or jailed in the process. In fact, we, we represent a pastor in Calgary, Arthur Pavlovsky, who was arrested uh, on, the air, on the airport tarmac. A team of masked police wow. went out to, to stop the plane. And he has a hearing on, uh, in, in two weeks, he'll receive sentencing for contempt. The prosecution is asking for 21 days in prison because he won't apologize for keeping his church open. So that's a little bit different, but I find it very yeah. liberal, the idea of jailing someone, actual prison, for not going along with this. And otherwise, uh, you know, blameless man who's done, I mean, he's a, he's a pastor. Um, his whole life, living a clean life, not a, nothing to do with criminality, and, and he may see 21 more days in jail. I, um, I, I know that you're a woman of the left, or at least you have been in the past, and I find that very interesting. And actually, our lawyer for Pastor Arthur is a woman of the left, and I, I'm always encouraged when I see true liberals or true progressives remembering that they believe in civil liberties too. I'm always depressed when I see liberals abandon that part of their political ideological heritage. And I, I don't know how it is in the United States these days. Are there any groups on the left who say, we may not like Trump, we may not like Republicans, we don't like that Southern style or whatever, but we believe in civil liberties. Is there anyone else like that? You guys at the New Civil Liberties Alliance are encouraging. Are there other allies down there? Um, not really on the left. There are not groups. I mean, there are individuals like Naomi Wolf, um, Robert F. Kennedy, I think, who are uh, opposed to a lot of these liberal policies. But yeah, you know, and I've said this many times, what we're seeing on the left now is not, this is not liberalism. It has nothing to do with it. It's some sort of bizarre authoritarianism. Uh, there's a, a great desire to control other people's lives um, and to shame people. This is the opposite of liberalism it's the opposite of you know what i why i considered myself a liberal leftist uh and the policies that we're seeing these people embrace for instance i was just talking to my friend who has young children um the kids some of these schools don't let kids drink water in class because they ha would have to remove their masks they have to eat lunch sitting apart on concrete outside when it's cold i mean uh, this is not liberal this is not a society that cares for its people it's uh it's completely insane to me a bunch of um in my opinion paranoid adults who've become basically insane hypochondriacs <laughs> just uh inflicting their their absurd anxiety onto children and the, and the poor and working class uh, who are the ones who are being most negatively affected by all of these policies, including the vaccine mandates that were most negatively affected by the lockdowns. And, you know, uh, in New York City, for instance, the vast majority of unvaccinated people are black. Um, so it's those people who are excluded from businesses and, uh, you know, black owned businesses and heavily black communities are losing business. So it, it's I, and a lot of the reason that minorities don't want to get the vaccine, by the way, is because they had COVID because they were out delivering takeout and cooking meals um, while everybody else was sitting at home on Zoom. So, um, you know, this has just proven to me that they're hypocrites. I have suspected it for a long time. And now to me, it's, it's beyond a, the case is proven beyond a reasonable doubt that this says they don't care about other people. They don't care about the poor, the working class, the most vulnerable. They just, you know, they want to sit at home on Zoom in their pajamas. Yeah, I find this very troubling. You mentioned, you know, minorities in, in Canada, and especially in the big cities like Toronto the issue of carding that's what they call stopping and frisking or stopping and demanding id for no no probable cause just that's been a real issue in policing in toronto and suddenly carding 
<laughs> you know, a, a liberal would never allow carding, would never allow, you know, show your papers, e even for voting. Um, yeah. you know, but, but now to show your papers, even to, to go into a restaurant, yeah. let's talk about anti-bullying. I don't know if it's the same where, you, where you're from, but there's this relentless, endless public service announcement campaign in Canada is against bullying, you know, mental health, mental health and wellness, and suddenly all it is is bullying and shaming. All these things used to be of, of the left. Don't bully people. Don't card people. And pro-choice, my body, my life, keep your rosaries off my ovaries. All of these things, I just don't under, I, I thought they actually meant it, especially the pro-choice stuff. No. I thought that was the core, the core value of the Canadian left was pro-choice for bodily integrity. How can that just evaporate in one year? Well, I do think some of it is a generational difference. Um, I do. I think like the old school left, uh, I still, you know, in fact, some of the people who write to me and say, thank you for speaking out from the left, or most of them, I would say, are from the generation older than me. I think that um, my generation and younger, uh, that those like so-called liberals are tend to be just a lot of spoiled, coddled people who actually don't understand freedom. They don't understand, um, you know, what it, they don't really think about what it's like for the poor and working class. They don't think about the servers who have to wear masks all day. Um, because they've never worked in a restaurant. Um, that's sort of what I'm seeing from my real world experience uh, in terms of embracing these policies. And I, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Leanna Wen, who's like one of the worst people on all of these topics. She said the other week, uh, unvaccinated people shouldn't be able to leave their homes. Well, today she said, um, because the federal government seems to be recommending against boosters, she's saying the federal government shouldn't be able to make decisions about how people live their lives or something like that. I mean, are you kidding? You people have been telling everybody how to live their life for the last 18 months. And, but when it conflicts with that, I mean, they're just complete hypocrites. It's so obvious. Yeah. Well, I saw the other day that Tucker Carlson, who has the largest cable show uh, in America on Fox News, uh, very large, but, uh, and I, I enjoy his program because he interviews unusual guests. He has Tulsi Gabbard on and Glenn Greenwald. And I, I, I think he's actually open-minded. I mean, he has a very strong point of view himself, but he's not, he, he surprises people, I think. I mean, he's very, been very strong on his support for Julian Assange, for example. He's very critical of the national security deep state. So he's, he's, um, he's more, very, he's not a down-the-line Republican. And I know yeah. he reaches out to liberals or leftists all the time, and those who take him up on his invitation usually say they're well treated on his show. He certainly gives them equal time. I saw you on his show, uh, which made me feel great that you're getting such a wide audience. But in the back of my mind, I also thought, I bet you're going to be condemned by some of your former fellow travelers for going on evil Tucker Carlson's show. Did, can you tell me what reaction you got for going on that large platform on Fox? Well, I'll be honest, I don't, uh, <laughs> the people who I, you know, used to associate with from the left, I don't really talk to anymore. They, I think, you know, I was on Laura Ingram a few months ago and I go on your show, <laughs> Newsmax, and I think, you know, they're just done with me. They, they hate me. <laughs> so the feedback I got so far has been very good, actually, an outpouring of support. And a lot of people who are subject to vaccine mandates emailed me and, um, you know, expressed support, asked questions asked for help so it was actually an overall pleasant experience i uh, i'm sure my former friends are all talking about what an awful right-wing nut job i've become but you know i've made peace with that months ago yeah it's very sad I, I i think the worst part of this whole thing 
it's not just the war between the state and the individual. It's how it's pitted people against each other, shopkeepers against customers who for years they would have only pleasantries and now one is forced to take the role of jailer and the other as, you know, um, as a you know a prisoner almost um, you know secret policeman we, it, it reminds me of what life was like under the Soviet Union informants and scolds and uh, I mean the government did that but the government in in the worst way ever and big tech enables this is turning us into each other's enemies and I feel that and I hate that. I'm glad you guys are doing what you're doing. Let me give a shout out to your website, ncla.legal, new civil liberties. It's actually ncla, sorry, it's nclalegal.org. Okay, I know both words, sorry. <laughs> I, I, tried, I just tested that, but, but they're both good ways to go to your, to your website. Yeah. And I'm really glad you guys are doing what you're doing. And uh, maybe we can even learn from your natural immunity cases down there and apply some of those ideas in our lawsuits up here. Janine, great to see you. Thanks for making time for us. Thank you so much. All right, there you have it. Janine Eunice, who is a lawyer with the new Civil Liberties Alliance, joined us today via Skype from Washington, D.C. Stay with us more ahead. on my show last night, Night Guard writes, they want me to hate myself, which is why I do not. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting that people who come to Canada don't hate Canada as much as natural born Canadians, white, non-visible minority Canadians. And, and I think that Canada is one of the great achievements in the world. It's a liberal democracy. Um, because we were part of the British Empire, we were very, very early outlawing slavery. It really never took root here. Uh, in fact, and you know, not to be politically incorrect about it, but the slavery, the dominant slavery in Canada when it was banned was indigenous slavery, different bands and tribes taking each other's slaves. There, there were a grand total of 16 black people in all of Toronto um, when the first laws against slavery were brought in. Thank God it was never, we, did, we don't have that original sin as America did. I mean, we, we don't have a, a, a perfect past, but as countries go, I, I think we've had a pretty good background. And, you know, even the French-English uh, compact, how the French and the English have more or less coexisted here since the Battle of the Plains of Abraham, that's a pretty good success story compared to, oh, I don't know, Rwanda and the Tutsis and the Hutus. So I think anyone coming to Canada from one of the other almost 200 countries in the world, odds are you're coming to Canada from somewhere that was terrible by comparison, not even good. So you come to Canada from the United States, you come to Canada from Belgium, you're coming from a pretty good place. But most places in the world are horrific. But they haven't been taught to hate Canada, or at least not yet. They believe their eyes that this is one of the best places in the world. Our teachers immediately go to work on them and tell them how wrong they are. Max writes, I just want to go to school and the government took that from me. They took our future. Oh, it's worse than that. You know, imagine you're in your third year or your fourth year of your degree and you're told you cannot finish your degree. Your entire life and career path is put on hold, canceled if you don't get this jab. I think it's nuts. Well, I'm going to say goodbye to you now, but as we always do now, not always, we just started this, we're going to show you what we call our video of the day. 
and there's so much cooking here at Rebel News. We've got so much talent, and one of our most talented newcomers is a citizen journalist from Quebec City, Alexandra Lavoie. And she was the star of the Leaders' Debate Questions. And she even did a report from Toronto. It's fun to see her in this city, although she holds the Ford Quebec pretty well. So I'm going to leave you with this video. But before I'm due, I'm going to say goodbye. And on behalf of all of us here from Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, keep fighting for freedom. All right, here's our video of the day. Well, I, I've never believed in, in proof. Everyone gets their, their proof when they get the vaccination. You're right. Anything can be fraudulent. And right down from money to uh, certifications. I, I just, no, we aren't doing it. Sim simple as that. This morning, Ontario launched its own vaccine certificate. As of today, Ontarians will need to provide proof of vaccination before entering certain high-risk indoor settings. They are the real threats. Yes, I don't know what are they. No. We can come together, we will never defeat this evil. Uh, I personally, I like wearing a mask, I'm pro-vaccine, but as long as it's a pacific protest and there is, you know, they're not, uh, you know, there is no chaos, I think it's fair and valid because, you know, this is a free country. We're just against the mandates and for freedom, obviously. We just both lost our jobs at the hospital we work at. So we're here supporting freedom. I'm a second class citizen now. There's ways around it for now, I'll say, but I mean, still, we're still, it's still participation. I don't, I'm not doing that. Honestly, it's, it's been almost two years. I just don't really care anymore. I'm, du I'm double vaxxed. I got my job back. I got money in the bank off CERB. So, I mean, they can do them and I'm going to do me and yeah, freedom, right? Toronto in Dundas Square. A protest just started. I'm gonna ask them, what are y'all thinking about the new vaccine passport that just been uh, started here in uh, Ontario? And probably asking a couple of other questions. So keep watching. protesting today so the main thing is to just get rid of this virus as I said yesterday it's been too much people are fed up and just having that rule after rule after rule it's just non-stop it just keeps going I'm protesting because a lot of people are for masks for vaccines I want people to do whatever's right for their own safety but there shouldn't be mandates people shouldn't be losing their jobs their freedoms over this we're just against the mandates and for freedom obviously we just both lost our jobs at the hospital we work at. So we're here supporting freedom. I hope we finally will start uh, to realize what's happening and take actions. I'm protesting the lockdown and the vaccine passports. I'm here for an education too. I want to learn more, keep learning. That's why I watch Rebel News because I keep learning the truth. That's, that's why I'm here. Okay, I just wanted to give a quick message to the police force of Toronto. I think you guys are doing an amazing job. Uh, we're all behind you and there may come times in your in your career shortly where you want to do something and you don't, you don't feel like anybody ha has your back. You're all alone. You're not. Everyone here is on your side and uh, saving lives will never ever go out of style. I ask people what they think about the protest that's going on in the other side of the street. So I think that people has, you know, the right to 
you know, freedom of speech. So I think if they want to, uh, you know, express themselves saying that they're against vaccinations or against mask usage, I think they should have the right to do so. Uh, I personally, I like wearing a mask. I'm pro-vaccine, but as long as it's a pacific protest and there is, you know, they're not, uh, you know, there is no chaos. I think it's fair and valid because, you know, this is a free country. They're allowed to protest. I don't disagree with what they're saying, but uh, like, what, what will I do? Like, I'm not gonna force them think a certain way or not do uh, whatever they're doing. It's good that people is, is expressing themselves. Honestly, it's it's been almost two years. I just don't really care anymore. I'm du I'm double vaxxed. I got my job back. I got money in the bank off CERB. So, I mean, they can do them, and I'm gonna do me. And yeah, freedom, right? What do you think about the vaccine passport? That's now it's a reality here in Ontario. Uh, well, I mean, I haven't really thought about it. I mean, the thing is that. Uh, I understand that uh, why people think it's uh, divisive, but uh, I think we have a pretty good idea so far that uh, you know the vaccines have uh, a positive effect in constraining the effects of the virus and its spread. And since the vaccine passport is now a reality for you uh, in Ontario, did that affect your lifestyle? It does. I mean, here's the thing, like, some people don't want to take it. Why? It's personal. They don't know what's in there. If I'm going to ask, if, if I'm going to get a shot that I don't know what's inside, why am I going to take it? Yes, yes it did, actually. Uh, it's kind of frightening, actually. I, uh, I, I have a daughter who's very, very liberal. Uh, she's absolutely convinced that if I didn't get a vaccine, I was going to die. It will, at some point, because... Uh, Employees uh, requires vaccine passport now, uh, retails, but as much as I can, I will resist it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty messed up, yeah. So how did that affect your life? Well, we can't participate in society until we comply, which is a word that I absolutely detest. But yeah, we're, we're effectively not really members of society anymore. I can't make a living anymore. I can't participate in society like a normal person anymore. I'm not sick. <laughs> Of course. Like, how, what am I supposed? To, I'm a second-class citizen now. There's ways around it for now, I'll say. But I mean, still, we're still. It's still participation. I don't. I'm not doing that. protest and fun fact at the beginning it was okay that's a small protest but fun fact another protest came like a rally came to join the other protest that were here at the square so it was just amazing to see like the two convergence of protests bringing all together so it was Alex Avrovenius in Toronto downtown